Hello to all the faithful listeners of the Locked On Bucks podcast, the best Bucks podcast out there, and it's not even close. Thank you all so much for putting up with me and listening to what I had to say and the nonsense I spew uh, throughout 2019. I can't wait to do it with you all again in 2020. And thank you for all the kind words that everybody has shared on Twitter about not just my performances and my appearances, but David and James's work as well. These two guys, they work their asses off to bring y'all some of the best content about this wonderful team that we all love almost every day of the week. Um, They don't have to do it. Well, actually, yeah, they do because they're contracted, but they love to do it, and that's what makes the difference. So, again, thank you all to everybody out there. We can't do it without y'all, and I hope you all have a great 2020. What's up, Bucks fans? This is Bailey Adams from BucksNation.com. I just wanted to thank you guys for listening to my appearances this year on Locked on Bucks. Uh, wish there was some more winning football to talk about. It seems like they always had me on after losses. But I appreciate you guys listening. I know you guys were probably tuning in for James and David, and then you got stuck with me. But I thank you for not turning off the podcast. Um, I hope you'll follow along with everything we're doing at BucksNation.com throughout the offseason and into next season. If you want to talk to me on Twitter, you can find me at BaileyJAdams22. Thanks, everyone, and Happy New Year. Coming up. On today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we are joined by Pewter Report's Mark Cook to discuss the 2019 season, and we have yet another installment of David Reviews Star Wars. What's up, guys? David Harrison of the Locked On Bucks podcast here. And before we get today's show started, I wanted to let you know about one of our sponsors, Calm. We talk about fitness a lot, but there's another side to the game that's just as important, and I'm talking about mental fitness. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. For LeBron James, sleep is an important part of his mental fitness routine. He says, getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things I can do for my body and mind. For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com slash locked on. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash locked on. That's calm.com slash locked on. At the end of a hard week, it's great to sit down, take some time off, and watch some football. Game-winning touchdowns on two-minute drives, running backs racing down the sidelines with no one to stop them. There's nothing else like the NFL, and there's no better way to make the games even more exciting than to bet on them. So do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sports book. Don't forget where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on, and mybookie.ag is the best in the business. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code LOCKEDON to activate this offer. That's promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Forfeit the game before somebody else takes you out of the frame. Put your name to shame, cover up your face. You can't run the race, the pace is too fast, you just won't last. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. 
You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Joining us now is a man who is unapologetic about three things, his love of Leonard Skinner, his love of the Florida State Seminoles, and his hatred of Spectrum, one of our top 10 favorite guests of all time from Pewter Report and the Pewter Nation podcast, Mark Cook. Mark, how you doing, buddy? Well, you sure nailed those three things, man. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. Go Knowles. Ronnie Van Zant was a genius. And uh, Spectrum can blank, 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 blank. But uh, yeah, yeah. other than that, everything's going really well. So I'm glad you guys are having me on, man. It's uh, been a long time. Yeah, it has. In fact, you know, we we still every now and again will reference the lost episode where where we had you on, and somehow it only recorded my voice and neither one of you guys. So that was uh, a a show that will live in infamy. But it's great to have you back. Uh, obviously, we want to talk about the 2019 season, but before we dive into that, I do want to get your thoughts. They released the 15 finalists for the NFL Pro Fo- or the I'm sorry, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, John Lynch makes it yet again. And uh, unfortunately, I think he's probably going to miss out on being enshrined because of uh, Troy Polamalu also making it into the finalist category. But you have you have Seymour who becomes a finalist and his if, if you go by the stats metric, which is what has hurt John Lynch for so many years, uh, you know, he pales in comparison to Simeon Rice. And then you have, you have Rondé Barber on the cutting room floor too. So kind of what was your thoughts on the, uh, on the 15 finalists for the hall of fame? Well, I haven't looked at the whole list. I just, uh, you know, have been noticing on Twitter in the last hour. Or so, um, you know, who's, who's kind of on and who's off, but you know, I, it's going to be tough sledding for both Rondé and, and John Lynch. Um, you know, does John Lynch get a push because of how well his 49ers are doing? I, I don't know. Maybe, um, you know, maybe that hurts him a little bit. I'm, I'm not sure exactly what these voters think, to be honest with you. Uh, both those guys are very Hall of Fame worthy, in my opinion. Uh, I think Simeon Rice certainly has a case to be made. And, and so, um, you know, we'll see if, if John gets any farther than he is right now. What is it, the list of 15 right now, you say? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, they'll cut that down again. But, I, I you know, look. John, John's a good guy, uh, you know, very humble guy when he played. I actually covered the team back in the mid-90s uh, for a while up until uh, the 99 season with, with Scott at, when it was back in Buccaneer Magazine. So, um, you know, I got to see John Lynch, uh, you know, up close and personal. And, again, you see the guy in the locker room with his shirt off. The last thing you're thinking is this guy, uh, you know, and he's joking, he's smiling, you know, he's very charismatic. Uh, last thing you think about is a guy that was so violent on the football field. Now, we all know this guy couldn't play in today's NFL. Uh, you know, how effective would he be? I don't know. One of my favorite John Lynch's, uh, John Lynch quotes was, um, you know, he didn't try and tackle the guy that had the ball. He was trying to tackle the guy behind him. I mean, he tried <laughs> to drive through that guy to get the next guy. And that's the way when my son was playing high school football, I said, that's the way you got to tackle, you know, listen, head up, you know, you're not taking cheap shots and things like that. Um, because they cracked down on those things in high school football, just as they have in the NFL and the college world. But, um, you know, he was a tough guy, man. He was a tough guy, great guy. A real Jekyll and Hyde guy. People that know John Lynch off the football field. Again, when you watch his highlight tapes, you, you can't believe that that's the same guy. A guy that knocked out his brother-in-law at Soldier Field. I mean, he you know he didn't care. It, it was his brother-in-law. He probably would have knocked out his dad if he had a chance. If he was in an opposing helmet. And that's exactly what happened in that game. So, uh, love John Lynch. Hope hope by chance, you know, fingers crossed, the guy makes it. He certainly deserves it. Uh, wish Rondé would have got a little farther than he did. 
uh, again, a guy that kind of revolutionized his position and, um, and, 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 you know, really created that, that star nickel rover star back, whatever you want to call the guy, uh, you know, and then for him to play as long as he did, then still move to safety his last year or two, uh, under Greg Schiano, I thought was really impressive. And, and he played well with that position. It wasn't like he was a liability out there on the football field. So both those guys very worthy. Maybe John gets in. I'm not sure that he does. Uh, but I promise you, if I had a vote, I, I would be voting for both of those guys. Yeah, well said, Mark. And I think pretty much every Buccaneers person, everybody that covers the Buccaneers from any distance and any fan would agree with you. And, I mean, those guys kind of represent really the last great uh, era of, of Buccaneers football, maybe maybe uh, to some the only era that they've ever witnessed of, of really solid Buccaneers football. And But, of course, we've got a new era hopefully moving in. Uh, obviously, the team got stronger as the year came to a close. So things are, are looking up for 2020 if they can continue that growth and add some more pieces. But I kind of want to start with the very beginning of this whole thing with, with the arrival of Coach Arians. Uh, that's where we started with Carmen talking from kind of an inside the team organization aspect. But you, I mean, you've been around the team a lot longer, longer than Carmen, longer than either of us have, have been and much more than either of us have been. So you have kind of this wide scope of what the Buccaneers have been, the, the, whatever you want to call it, the culture, the atmosphere. Um, the excitement was palpable in the beginning. Training camp got started. Mini camps got started. I remember you were one of the ones, too, kind of out there trumpeting how different this was really going to be and how different the staff really was. Now that we're end of year one, have your feelings changed even stronger or weaker, or have they pretty much stayed consistent with what you expected when they got here? No, it's, it's pretty much stayed the same. Um, you know, I, I guess the one thing that was proven this year is Bruce Arians is not a miracle worker, right? His staff are not miracle workers because we saw the Buccaneers do a lot of the same things that they did under Dirk Cutter, make crucial errors, turnovers, pre-snap penalties, penalties during the play, things that hurt them, unable to kick the ball at crucial times. I mean, you know, it, it was it was reminiscent of, of some of the teams that we've saw over the last 10 years. But you know, the difference is this team did tend to get better towards the end of the year. They never gave up on their coach. They've, they've pretty much bought into what Bruce Arians is preaching. And I, I tell you, probably the most impressive coaching job I would say was, is what Todd Bowles did. I mean, I was really, really high on Todd when he came in. Start of the season, he looked no different than Mike Smith, right? I mean, certainly a different scheme, but the results were, were just as bad, if not worse at the beginning part of the year. But the way that he was able to keep preaching his message really reminded me a lot of Tony Dungy in 1996 when he came in here and this Buccaneer team started out 1-8. and eight. And, and and there were guys in that locker room that were saying, man, does, does this guy know what he's talking about? But Tony just kept preaching patience, right? Do the right thing, do your job, and things will turn around. And that's not always easy to believe because we've heard that from the defensive coaches on this team over the last 10 years, and they didn't turn around. So some of these guys probably were wondering, man, does this guy know what he's talking about? But he actually was able to get things turned around and, and, and get things in a, in a good direction. And, and really the resurgence, uh, the reversal of fortunes, whatever you want to call it, from the beginning of the year to the last half of the year was, was really probably the most impressive thing that I saw on the football team this year. And uh, again, Bruce Arians and his staff are not miracle workers. Um, you know, I maybe put a little bit more faith in them that they were going to be able to get the Buccaneers to stop beating the Buccaneers. That didn't happen. Bruce has said it. He said it in the press conference we were out on Monday. It won't happen next year. We'll see. 
you know, I, I, I'm not going to say that the talk is cheap. I don't believe that. I believe Bruce Arians will do everything in his power to to change the fortunes of this team beating themselves. But the proof will be in the pudding. We'll see what happens when the season starts next year. Uh, but I'll tell you what, it's definitely a different vibe, a different feeling that you get. When you talk to these players on and off the record, uh, they'll say the same thing. I mean, they all respect Bruce. He doesn't say a lot. He doesn't have a lot of rules, right? He expects these guys to perform like professionals, uh, but he does hold them accountable. And so, um, you know, the players, particularly the veteran players, really appreciate the approach that, that, that Bruce Arians and his staff has brought to the Buccaneers this year. Well, and, and you take a look at, at next year, and obviously the most polarizing and divisive topic the entire offseason is going to end up being Jameis Winston until we have some kind of solution as to what the Buccaneers plans are what they're going to do with him if it's a franchise tag if it's an extension if they're just going to let him walk whatever the case may be how do you feel about kind of the direction that Jameis went this year because you know David and I have said on this podcast that really to us the only option is the franchise tag because you have a guy that that set a record for you know most passing yards in in franchise history. You have a guy that was the NFL passing leader, but at the same time he set a record for the most touchdowns thrown to the other team. So you, <clears throat> it, it's kind of infuriating that after 5 years we still don't really know what this guy is and, and you know, it's it's reached a, a tipping point for a lot of people. So how do you view the the Winston situation heading into this offseason and and what the Buccaneers are likely to do uh, for 2020? Well, I, I you know, if I'm making the decision, I'm bringing him back for one more year. And and the reason I say that is you, you've got to see. I mean, again, I'm a glass half full guy. Like I, I like to look at at the positives, and there certainly were negatives. And I had my meltdown moment uh, after that uh, Houston game a couple weeks ago, that Saturday game when Jameis threw four, in my opinion, really inexcusable interceptions. Um, last week didn't bother me. I mean, you know, bad route by Justin Watson, maybe on the first. Should have never came to that pick six in, in overtime. If Matt Gay hits one of those three field goals, um, you know, we're not even talking about that right now. But we are. It happens. So it doesn't matter. Um, you know, the, the, the thing that I like to, to look at when I'm trying to look at the whole picture is is, is we've, we've created this narrative to a degree that Jameis Winston has thrown 30 interceptions every year for five years. Let's not forget, prior to this year, the most he had thrown was 18, which is not great by any stretch, but it averages to just obviously just a little over one per game. Uh, and Bruce Arian said, I asked him specifically when he came to Tampa in January, how many interceptions can Jameis Winston throw? And he said one, one per game. Anything more than that, that's going to hurt your football team's chances of winning. So if Jameis Winston threw 18 interceptions this year uh, and put up the rest of the numbers that he did, we're getting ready to watch a game on Saturday, right? I mean, or, or Sunday maybe, who knows? But they're certainly in the playoffs. Matt Gay hits a couple of those field goals. Really, people forget about the Seattle game where he missed that one right before the first half. That's a game the Buccaneers ended up going in overtime. I mean, all those little things add up. Jameis had a really, really good game that game. I, I believe he was interception-free against the Seahawks, and that's a tough environment. So, you know, there were positives. Now, I'm not making excuses. He he has got to get better, but I don't know that you walk away from a guy who has so many good intangibles and, 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 and good traits in his game. Um 
based on the fact that he that he was a, a turnover machine this year. Uh, Carson Palmer, and again, I've said this, you've probably heard me say this, he threw 22 his first year with Bruce. Uh, that's not 30, that's 22, so that's eight, eight less, but that's still a lot. He didn't throw more than 14 his next three years with Bruce Arians. So, you know, the first year in Arians' offense tends to be the toughest for quarterbacks. And, um, you know, there's a lot of different things that this offense does that they that they did under Dirk Cutter. I mean, it's, it's completely different. Now, again, I, some of these interceptions were just greedy throws. I, I don't want to use the term lazy throws, but there were some balls that uh, obviously shouldn't have been thrown, and, and a lot of them. Um, you know, we can pin some of it on the receivers. I mean, say O.J. Howard cost them a couple. The, the, the opening game against San Francisco bounces off the sands, uh, goes into the defender's hands a, a few weeks ago, the one behind the back. I mean, you know, and, and we know Justin Watson's a young guy, probably ran the wrong route on the interception last week. Um, we know Chris Godwin and Brashad Perriman both made mistakes in that Los Angeles game. Uh, I think it was off. No, it was a Tennessee game, I believe. Um, the Bruce Arians defended Jameis on that. But again, at the end of the day, if you turn the ball over 30 times, and I'm not even counting how many fumbles he lost this year because I don't even want to add those up. You turn the ball over 30 times. It's going to be very, very difficult to win many football games and nearly impossible. And I would, I'm going to say would be completely impossible to win a Super Bowl with a quarterback that turns the ball over. But we don't know if that's Jameis Winston every year moving forward because again, prior to this year, 18 was the most. Still a lot, but but you can live with 18 if you're throwing for 5,000 yards. No, that's very true, Mark. I mean, if you know, if if the benefits of this system, the scheme, and the tu- the tutelage Byron Leftwich and Bruce Arians stick around, even you know, even 80 percent of the production that came out this year sticks around next year, and the interceptions return kind of back to the norm, then yeah, I, I think James and I will both agree with that. That you know, this team's a playoff team. Um, but going back to that, uh, so something else that Bruce Arians has said is that he didn't really like his quarterback to be looking over his shoulder, you know, week in, week out, wondering about his job. But a lot of people, especially fans, are, are kind of out there in, in social media and in the Bucks Nation comments, I'm sure in the in the Pew Report comments as well, talking about drafting a young rookie or even bringing in a, another veteran and essentially someone who could be that guy. Like if Jameis comes out and throws seven interceptions over the first three games of next season, could be a guy that Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich could turn to to capitalize on what is looking like a, a very strong defense and obviously strong receiving group. Uh, and an improving offense, you know, just as much as the defense improved. Do you think, because because another thing Coach Arians has said, right, is that while he has his theories and his, his you know, football theology, he's also a smart enough person to understand when it's time to shift a little bit. And I'm not saying necessarily that it's, you know, an intelligent player needs to be done, but do you feel like that's something that Coach Arians could kind of see a little bit of light on is maybe we don't bring Jameis in with as much of a, of a, of a safety net under him as far as his job security is concerned? kind of torn on that you know I honestly had Gabbard and I got hurt in that preseason game I think against Cleveland uh he probably sees some action this year because they didn't want to bring anybody in to say okay it's 50 50 right best one of you two guys is going to start the year they wanted Jameis to be that starter they wanted him to have that team on his back they wanted to see how he handled the pressure they wanted to see how he handled dealing with it being a contract year um and again for most of it it was fine. It's just the interceptions, right? Uh, the turnovers. And, and you know, Jameis didn't throw for 2,500 yards and 30 interceptions. He threw for over 5,000 yards. And 
uh, however many touchdowns it was, it was, it was more than 30 and, and ran in a couple as well. Um, again, you, you can't win with, with turnover production like that. And, and I would, I would certainly look at bringing in another quarterback, um, you know, more capable than, than even a Blaine Gabbard, if, if possible. And maybe, maybe that is a rookie guy, but where are you going to get this rookie guy at? I mean, you're going to get him, you know, picking, what are they picking? I don't remember 11, 14, whatever it is this year. Um, you know, who, who's going to be available with that position. And again, if you draft a guy in the first round, I mean, you're, you're essentially saying, you know, this is the new future of our franchise. So, um, but look, if Jameis goes out there and beats out whoever this first round draft pick is, Bruce Arians isn't going to be stupid. He's going to go with the guy that can win him the most football games at the time. And if Jameis is the best of the quarterback, whether it's a, a rookie or whether it's a free agent veteran guy they bring in, um, you know, Bruce is going to go with the guy that, that's going to give him the best chance to win. And if Jameis beats him out, then he deserves it. And, and you know, and, and one more thing I want to point out on the Jameis thing, uh, you know, it's we've heard a lot about where Jameis wants $30 million, $35 million, this and that. Well, you know, what I say to that is, Jameis, you know, you could have 30 or $35 million. You should have played better this year because this organization was ready, right, to write a check. They have one with Jameis's name on it, ready to sign. Uh, but he didn't perform well enough to earn that. And, and to say that he's going to, he has a right to demand 30, $35 million to me is kind of ludicrous. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, I don't think there's any way, uh, that he deserves that based on the fact that, you know, he did throw those 30 interceptions. So a lot of people out there listening, you're probably saying, Oh, Cook's a FSU Homer. Uh, I promise you my FSU allegiance to FSU stays in Tallahassee. It doesn't, when they mm-hmm. leave Tallahassee, it doesn't matter. They're another player. I mean, I was a, I was a guy who, who, who predicted the Buccaneers draft Vernon Hargraves and, and was all, all for it when it happened. Turned out, I'm glad I'm not a GM because I'm not very good <laughs> at it. Because Vernon wasn't very good. But, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't care about those things. I was okay with O.J. Howard over Dalvin Cook at that point. Looking back on it now, after this year, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you know, if you, if you had a chance to redraft, maybe it is Dalvin at that point. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm not worried about the past. I'm worried about right now and the future. And, um, I still think Jameis Winston is the best option. I don't know who's out there that you're going to get to replace him. And DeMar Dotson said that on our podcast on Monday night. He's like, who are you going to get? Who's out there? Who, who are we going to bring in better than Jameis Winston? Uh, now, DeMar is a big, big Jameis fan. So uh, he certainly has some bias there. But um, anyway, I don't have any bias because Jameis is a Florida State guy. I, have, uh, I, was, I was all about Jameis Winston being drafted number one overall in 2015 because I thought he was the best quarterback for the Buccaneers at the time. I don't know if he is now five years later. Uh, I still prefer him over Mariota, obviously, but at the same time, at the end of the day, if Jameis walks and they get nothing for him and, and he hasn't been to the playoffs, then then how can we say he's better than Mariota? I mean, statistically, maybe, but at the end of the day, they're both the same. They both fail their franchise if, if, if Jameis walks away. No, very valid points, Mark. And yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of people are kind of echoing the same sentiment that, you know, even if you want Jameis gone and you just you just absolutely don't want him in Tampa Bay anymore. Who's who's the replacement? Who's the solution? Because all the production that he does provide and the positives he provides have to be replaced along with the negatives. Um, and, and I and I caught your interview with DeMar and heard all that stuff. Um, that's actually an, an interesting topic with DeMar Dotson. Obviously, he mentioned that he would like to continue playing, staying in Tampa um, how do you how do you feel that offensive line shapes up? I mean, that's that's one of the most challenged units on this team over the last few years. 
I feel like this year uh, they did better than probably most expected. I know PFF has given them some pretty solid grades, but how do you view that unit? Uh, would you like to see DeMar come back in a, in a starter role, or do you feel like he might come back to a to more of a depth position? Well, you know, I, first of all, the PFF grades are, are, are ludicrous. This was not the seventh best offensive line of the league. I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, have all this film breakdown of every play, but the eyeball test tells me they certainly weren't the seventh best. I don't know what they ended up as far as the sacks go. I know at one point they were the second worst as far as giving up the most sacks. Uh, part of that we can pin on Jameis Winston for holding on to the ball and 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 doing what he does, trying to make uh you know plays at, at all times, not giving up on plays. But so he did his offensive line no favors at times this year. But uh, the fact that they could not run the football effectively. Until that final game of the year, and even then, there were still too many negative runs. Right, that's been my big beef: too many negative, uh, no gain, one yard gains. I mean, that is not the way uh, you know successful running teams do things. You've got to get three yards. Right, every once in a while, okay, maybe you get stuff for a loss, but um, you know, two, three, four yard losses on a regular basis. That's just that's just that's just bad, and that's not on Jameis Winston. That's that's from the offensive line now. Um, I would like to see DeMar come back, you know, at what role, I guess it all depends on the salary and the way they evaluate him. And, they, and they're going to evaluate all these players. They're probably in the process of doing some of that right now. Um, I think DeMar played okay. Um, you know, he feels as good at the end of the year this year, he said, as he has in, in really any year that he's played, which is good because the last few years, by the second half of the year, the guy was pretty much broke down. So he stayed healthy for the most part. I think he missed one game. Uh, with a hamstring issue, the, uh, the, uh, which game was it? It was the London game. As a matter of fact, he didn't go in trouble with the team for that game, but, um, you know, I think he played okay. I don't know that you can afford to pay a guy $5 million to be your backup guy. And, and DeMar told me he doesn't want to be a swing tackle. He does not want any part of being a left tackle. He's a right tackle. That's what he wants to play. Uh, he'd like to be back here. And if he comes back, he wants to be a starter, but I, I'm, I'm with, Scott Reynolds, who says you go draft a right tackle and and you let him fight it out. And if DeMar wins, he's the starter. If the rookie uh, ends up winning, then you've got a hell of a backup and you've you've got a mentor because DeMar is the guy that's going to help out whoever's on this football team. And, uh, you know, he's very unselfish in that way. So um, love to see the guy back. Look, from a locker room perspective, there's nobody better in that locker room to talk with. And I'll tell you what, didn't matter how tough the losses were over the last 11 years, you could count on DeMar Dawson to stand up like a man at the end of the game in the locker room uh, in all of these losses. And there's been a lot of them over the last 11 years during his career. And, um, and, and you know, be, be, be accountable for things. And, and I appreciate his honesty. Uh, and if he doesn't come back, then I certainly wish him the best. He's, he's, uh, he, he's a class act on and off the field. Hey, Bucks fans. This is Matt Matera, one of the Bucks beat writers for pewterreport.com. Just wanted to take a moment and thank you guys for listening to my appearance on the Locked On Bucks podcast that went on earlier this season. Bucks fans are some of the most passionate fans around the NFL. I know things didn't go the way that you wanted to go this year with the Bucks, with them ending seven and nine on the season. And even though they didn't make the playoffs, Pewter Report is still going to have a ton of coverage coming up for you over the next couple of months. So even though the Bucks aren't where you want them to be. That doesn't mean the coverage is going to stop. We're going to have a lot going on for you on PeterReport.com. You can find me on Twitter at Maddie4 underscore Matera. Love interacting with you guys on that. 
Of course, check out our Bucks Pewter Nation podcast, which I edit and produce along with being a co-host with everyone else. Thank you, everyone, for following along with us all year round for all your Bucks news and information. Happy New Year, everyone. Have a great, great time celebrating it with friends, family, and loved ones. And we will see you soon down the road. Thanks, guys. Take it easy. Hey, Bucks Nation. This is Taylor Jenkins from PewterReport.com, and I appreciate you all listening to my appearance on the Locked On Bucks podcast this year. Thank you all for everything you do for us, whether that's listening to our podcast, interacting with us on Twitter, or just reading our work, because really, we're nothing without you fans. Happy New Year. Thanks for a great 2019, and I can't wait to see what's in store for 2020. You can check me out on Twitter at TJenkinsTampa or read all of our work at PewterReport.com. But thank you guys again so much for everything you do for us, and have a great New Year. Hey, Buccaneer fans. This is Scott Reynolds from PewterReport.com, and I want to thank you all for checking out my appearances on the Locked On Bucks podcast. David Harrison and his crew do a great job over there. And I wanted to also invite you as... 2019 draws to a close and the Bucks 2020 season begins really in January with the full games, East West Shrine, Senior Bowl, the NFL Scouting Combine, all of the free agency and draft scoop and inside information you're going to want is at pewterreport.com. Be sure you follow us too on Twitter at pewterreport. Happy New Year. Mark, let's switch over to the defensive side of the ball because this was a defense that started off 2019 looking a lot like the defenses that we saw under under Mike Smith. They were giving up ridiculous amounts of passing yards and couldn't get a whole lot of pressure on the quarterback early on aside from Shaq Barrett's uh, breakout on on Thursday night against a, a hobbled Cam Newton. But slowly through the season, obviously, we saw how much better this defense got. Shaq Barrett finishes as the sack leader. JPP comes back and has eight and a half sacks in 10 weeks. You have Vita Vea becoming a dominant player along the defensive line. You you see them ship Vernon Hargraves out of town, and all of a sudden the secondary gets better. Jamel Dean finished as one of the the best cover corners in the NFL. How important is it for the Buccaneers to keep this front seven intact? And how do you think they're prioritizing that? I mean, are they focusing on, let's make sure we lock up Shaq Barrett and try to get back JPP and Adamican Sue before they're worried about what direction to go in with the Jameis contract? Do you think it's a 1A, 1B situation? How do you view the way that this defense came together and, and what they're going to do to try to keep it intact? Well, as far as keeping it intact, I mean, obviously Shaq is, is the main priority, but JPP is very, very close to that. Now, again, a lot of that's going to depend on if uh, Jason Pierre-Paul wants to play here in Tampa Bay. He knows he's towards the end of his career. Uh, does he want to go through this again? Uh, is he frustrated with Jameis Winston? Is, is, does he like his role in this football team? Um, I, I think he showed a lot the last few games uh, to get to that eight and a half sacks. Um, you know, just a guy that this team understands needs from a leadership perspective. And if he's back next year, I, I would almost bet the farm the guy's got the C on his chest because that's how important and how valuable he was as a leader this year to this football team. So, and we saw the production. We saw how this, this defense got better and started growing and getting better once he came back on the football field. Um, it took him a while to get his legs back underneath him. He played a few games, not really ready probably to be out there, but they needed him. So he played, and uh, but he really caught his groove towards the end of the year. We saw 
and they need him back. They also wanted Dominican Sue back as well. Uh, they'd love to have Carl Nassib back too in a, in a role, but it just depends on the money. And 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 the the the, the caveat or the whatever you want to call it, I don't know if you use the right word, is the Jameis Winston contract. I mean, how much money is that going to take if they decide to bring him back? And how does that affect the ability to to bring all of these guys back? I will say. Mike Greenberg and Jason Light do a masterful job with the salary cap. This team is the has the least amount of dead money uh, almost every year over the last several years. I mean, they've done a very good job in that situation, and uh, and there's going to be some money available uh, when 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 free agency begins this year. So, um, but yeah, Shaq Shaq's number one, uh, and then I think you got JPP's very very close to Shaquille Barrett as far as. This team wanting him to bring back, and then and then I got Dominican Sue as well because you know Bruce said it again last Monday. Look, we we've got to keep as many of these guys on this team, all of them if we can, because we really think we have something good uh, going on with that front seven and 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 really the the whole eleven if the secondary continues to play uh, and, and develop and, and and improve next year as well. But look, what goes for came first, the chicken or the egg? Is it the pass rush helping the secondary? Uh, did the secondary help the pass rush? I think it's probably 50-50, right? They both go hand-in-hand. Hand. Both of these units help each other out. And uh, finally, we saw towards the end of the year, both of them playing complementary football with each other. And we saw the results. I mean, this was a top-10 defense. From week 10 to week 16, this was a top-10 defense in the NFL. And I would have never in a million years believed that after, you know, week four or five, what we saw from this defense. So it was an impressive turnaround. And, and again, my hat's off to Todd Bowles. And his staff are doing what I think is uh, uh, one of the best coaching jobs in the NFL, to be honest with you. No, definitely, definitely agree on that, Mark. I mean, earlier in the season, it was, you know, if there was no pass rush, then that the secondary was just getting picked apart. But then, like you said, towards the end of the year, I mean, when when they didn't get to the quarterback, the secondary stepped up. When they did get to the quarterback, the secondary was just back there celebrating or taking advantage and getting interceptions. So, um, yeah, great points there. And then, Mark, uh, you've been you've been covering the team, um, you know, longer than anybody that we we've had on the show. Um, so you've got to see a lot of versions of the Buccaneers. And, you know, I don't know if you can do this pinpoint it to one necessarily. And if not, that's fine. But I want to ask you, if, does this team remind you of any other version of a team? Obviously, people want this team to get back to like the late 90s, early 2000s of consistent playoff appearances and try to get some of that success back. And maybe another Lombardi would be great. But does this version of the team, whether it be personality, play style, any just kind of a feel, does this remind you of any other uh, previous edition of the Buccaneers? I really see a lot of similarities between this football team and that 96 football team. And we go back to 96, Tony Dungy comes in. He's trying to change a losing culture, a team that hasn't been to the playoffs since 1982. Uh, so there's a long drought there, similar to what we're looking at right now. And um, he came in and, and, and preached patience and, and discipline and being accountable and playing for the guy on either side of you. And, and it paid off. They started one and eight. They finished six and 10. The next year they started the 97 season, five and zero. Oh, end up finishing second in the NFC Central and, and earning a playoff win over the Detroit Lions to close out the old Tampa Stadium before moving into Raymond James the following year. Um, and I said it earlier in, you can go back and listen to the podcast before the Seattle game, right after the Tennessee game. I was in Tennessee. I saw a different football team. I saw an angry football team. I saw a team it really was sick and tired of losing. And you go back to that 96 season when the Buccaneers are playing poorly and not a lot of people have a lot of faith in the direction the team is heading. 
They go to San Diego and they beat a playoff team in the Chargers on the road 25 to 17. And that turned their season around. Now, they didn't beat the Seahawks after that Tennessee game, but they sure as hell led them the entire game up until really when they lost, you know, in overtime. I mean, to me, that was a defining moment. That was a, that was a moment where this team, number one, was, was just sick of, of, of where they were after Tennessee. And I think saw the glimmer of hope of what they could be in that game against the Seattle Seahawks. Now, again, they didn't win that game like they did against San Diego in 1996, but, uh, you know, it's really was a, a similar, a similar track. I mean, they finished seven and nine, that 96 team finished six and 10. I don't know if the Buccaneers start the season five and oh, because there's a lot of questions. Number one is who's going to be the quarterback next year. They knew in 96, it was going to be Trent. I mean, 97, it was going to be Trent Dilfer. Now, Trent Dilfer didn't put up any type of numbers and he was a turnover machine at times, but, but he was, a, he was a good game manager for that football team in 97 that was built obviously around the defense. And I see some similarities too. I mean, you've got your, you know, you got your, your Warren Sapp. Again, people are, are screaming right now. No, Vita Vey is not Warren Sapp, but I'm saying you've, you've built your team, uh, with a Warren Sapp clone or, or, you know, a dominant defensive lineman in, in Vita Vea, who still, I think, has a lot of ceiling left, to be honest with you. He's still learning how to play football and, and be effective in the National Football League. Uh, he's not as developed, certainly, as Warren. And, and, and they play different roles and different styles and, and truthfully different positions. But, um, but then you've got, you know, Devin White, the young linebacker. Is that, is that your Derek Brooks? I don't know. Uh, is Levante David? You know, I mean, you know, he's put up some very good numbers. So, you know, you've kind of got those guys there, right? And you've got some young cornerbacks like that 97th football team did as well. Um, you know, I, this is still an offensive-based football team. But, boy, if the defense ever catches up to what the offense did as far as production goes, uh, then, then this could be a better football team than we saw in 1997. But it really all depends on who's under center and how well that person plays. If that person, whoever it is, uh, you know, play smart and, and, and good football and the defense continues to develop. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of optimism and, and there should be a lot of optimism in Tampa Bay. We've, we've thought we were going to see this before though. I mean, we can go back to Dirk Cutter's first year when they finished nine and seven. Then they followed up with two, five and 11 years. So again, I, I'm going to take the wait and see approach. I'm certainly not ready to crown this team, the 96 team, but, but if you ask me what, what I would compare it to, that's really all I can compare it to, to be honest with you. And, and I think it's, I think it's a valid comparison, uh, to a degree. I mean, again, I'm not saying there's three Hall of Famers on this current Buccaneer defense. Uh, uh, I don't know, you know, I think there's one with Levante David. I think he should be. Don't know if he'll make it the way he's been snubbed with the Pro Bowls. But when you make the all decade team, that says a lot right there, what other people think about you. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens next year. Uh, do they start five and oh, do they end up making the playoffs? I, I think they should. I think they can. And, and if, if I had to, to lean one way or the other, uh, I, I would say they have a very good chance of doing that. And, uh, but again, I, I've, I've been burned before with my predictions, as you guys know. Well, so I'm just going to kind of, kind of see how this off season settles out. And uh, I'll be able to tell you a little bit more about it come September. All right. Well, Mark, we, <clears throat> excuse me, we certainly appreciate some of your time. And, and if you're up for it, Given that this is your first appearance on Locked On Bucks, there's something we like to do with first-time guests, and that's a little rapid fire about you, not the Buccaneers, not football, not anything like that, just strictly about you, where we give you five rapid-fire questions. Are, are, you, are you game? 
do I do I just get like one word answers? I mean, do I elaborate? You, tell me tell me how I do my end of things. You can elaborate if you'd like, or you can just give the the short answer, however you would like to approach it. All right. All right. So the first one is what is your favorite movie of all time? Oh, uh, Hoosiers or any of the Rockies minus Rocky Five. But uh, Hoosiers, I think, is the greatest sports movie ever. Uh, Hoosiers is phenomenal. That's the first time we've ever had that mentioned on this podcast. I like that answer. Yeah, that's uh, amazing. That's a great movie. Oh, oh, absolutely. Who is your favorite childhood athlete? When I was a kid, who was my favorite? Yeah. Um. Hmm. I I was a uh, I was a big Doug Williams. Okay, I'm going to say when I played in the yard, right? This is in the late '70s. Uh, when we played backyard football, you know, I was the uh, quarterback, uh, so I was Doug Williams. And then on defense, I was Mark Cotney, the safety. Those those were my two favorite guys uh, growing up uh, in my early years, for sure. What was the first concert you ever went to? <laughs> My mother and father took me to the old uh, Curtis Hickson Hall. This is probably 78. I'm so old telling these things. To see a guy named Sonny James, who was kind of a pop country guy like back in the 50s, uh, sang a song called Young Love. I remember that was a big hit for him. I, I, that's the first concert I can remember. But you guys remember I also grew up uh, near Plant City. So we went to the Strawberry Festival a lot. So it could have been the Oak Ridge Boys. It could have been Roy Clark. It could have been Tammy Wynette. Uh, you know, any of those old, uh, old, uh, Oak Ridge Boys, probably. Yeah, probably Oak Ridge Boys. Sonny James, I think, was first. And then the Oak Ridge Boys after that at the Strawberry Festival. Okay. What is your guilty pleasure television show? Eesh. Oh. Boy, do I want to admit these things. Um, it's not <laughs> The Bachelor. I can assure you that. Can't stand that show. Uh, but I would say Guilty Pleasure TV show. Man, I love these gold uh, mining shows. Gold Rush, and now they have the Whitewater Gold Rush where the guys are, are diving down looking for gold. I mean, if I ever hit the lottery, man, I'm going to go buy me a claim somewhere, and I'm just going to sit on a little chair and pan for gold with my headphones in, listening to Skinner. That's 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 my guilty pleasure TV shows. And finally, unfortunately, you're about to be put to death, but you are getting a final meal of your choosing. I need an entree, a dessert, and a beverage. All right. Well, the beverage is certainly going to be sweet tea. And and since I'm dying anyway, we're going to go two cups of sugar in the gallon. I'm not, it's the hell with diabetes. <laughs> I'm dying anyway. Uh, the food is probably going to be, if I could bring my granny back to fry me up some of her little thin steaks, she used to bread them and, and deep fry them, uh, or some fried mullet from down in Cortez, Florida, the best fish in the world. Uh, and then dessert, it's not even, it's, it's not even a debate, it's strawberry shortcake. At my birthday dessert uh, for all 49 years of my life, I love strawberry shortcake. Those are Those are fantastic answers. I have a bonus question. Oh, sure. Can you convince Nick Carter to do the masked singer? That's my guilty pleasure <laughs> show right now. I don't even care. Can you get Nick Carter on the masked singer? Oh, oh, on the masked singer. Um, you know what? I will, I, I will text him when we get off the phone and see if he's been approached about that. Uh, that would be, amazing. I actually spoke to Nick this week and, uh, he's really excited about some potential, uh, 
uh, Florida tour date tour dates coming up this fall. Uh, he couldn't give me full details. Well, actually, he did. I just can't reveal them. But uh, Backstreet Boy fans, keep your fingers crossed. We may see the uh, the band in Tampa this fall. So, uh, but I'll ask him about the Masked Singer and see if uh, see if he's been approached about that. And and, uh, and I'll let you know uh, on the next episode. Awesome. All right. Well, Mark, we certainly appreciate some of your time tonight. And of course, we appreciate everything that you do over at Pewter Report and on the Pewter Nation podcast. And I don't care how much crap you get. I love your jokes and and your your forced ad reads that you throw upon people. I find it hilarious. Maybe that's just because we both have six senses of humor. We yeah, pe- people that like our sense of humor are, are unique individuals. Uh, yeah, we're not for everybody, and that's okay. Uh, as long as more people, as long as one more person likes it than hates it, then uh, then I'm just going to keep doing my thing. Um, anyway, we we realize how bad the show suffers when I'm not on there. It's pretty obvious those guys can't can't handle it. They try and be me, and they just can't. I mean, I'm I'm one of a kind, guys. Let's face it. One hundred percent accurate. I agree. Yeah. I'm very modest as well, too, as you can tell. <laughs> hey, be who you can afford to be, and, and you are the one and only Mark Cook. <laughs> All right, man. Well, listen, guys, I really appreciate you having me on, man, and uh, maybe we'll get you guys on our podcast in the near future, too. Hey, yeah, we just it, let man. us know. We would love it. Yeah, and thank you so much. Can't wait to have you on again soon. All right, man. Y'all take care. Have a good night. You too. You too. Hey, Bucks fans, this is Ross Jackson of the Locked on Saints podcast. Just wanted to say thank you all very much for checking out all of my appearances here on the Locked on Bucks podcast. I'm supposed to use this time real quick to kind of wrap everything up, give you my social media and everything like that. But what I really want to tell you is how absolutely awesome your local experts, James Yarko and David Harrison are. These guys have always been super welcoming to me. Y'all have always been super welcoming to me. So entering 2020, I just want to say thank you again to all of you, to David and to James for all of the love that y'all have always shown. Can't wait to be back at it with the crossover episodes over the off season, as well as into the 2020 season. Very, very, very grateful for all of you, for James and for David. Y'all have a wonderful, safe, and a happy new year. Hey Bucks fans, this is Jill Beckman, the social media coordinator for the Buccaneers. Just wanted to thank you for checking out my appearance on the Locked On Bucks podcast this year. You can follow me at underscore Jill Beckman on Twitter and make sure you're following and engaging with the Bucks social media accounts this offseason. Wishing you all a happy new year. A big thank you once again to Mark Cook of Pewter Report and the Pewter Nation podcast. Really glad he was able to join us on the show, especially since David, we were we talked about it briefly briefly with Mark. You and I were talking about it before the show started. When you and I started on this venture, Gil Arcia, <clears throat> our boss over at Bucks Nation, was our very first guest. Our second guest was Mark Cook, who came on and talked to us a lot about the draft. We had a really great conversation about Dalvin Cook, and it was lost. And we felt so awful about it. I think I apologized to Mark like 15 times via Twitter. And uh, yeah, probably to the point that he was like, all right, dude, I get it. You're sorry. You know, it it happens. Um, But yeah, just haven't had him back on since. So it was great to have Mark on. Really fun conversation. Um, Yeah. Of course, that's assuming the recording is good and we can use it. So. 
Well, I mean, if it's if it didn't record this time, it's on you. You're the organizer of this call. <laughs> I'll, I'll take the heat for the first one because that one was on me. But yeah, if it's if it's messed up this time, it's your fault. Yeah. All right. Well, basically, you know, I realize this is January 3rd of 2020, but this show is pretty much wrapped up our 2019 season. We've done a couple of recap shows. We've talked about the important things. And starting next week, we're we're moving ahead. It's time. It's time for us to get our 2020 vision and and start looking ahead to the offseason, the draft, free agency, all of that. What is going to happen with the Buccaneers this year, the first season of this decade? But we have a little giveaway to do because we promised those of you back when the preseason started back in August, we said, hey. If you call in and you leave us a voicemail and it gets played on the air, you are entered in to win a contest for a $100 NFL shop gift card courtesy of us. Was it was and, $100 or it was like $10? I mean, I'm fine with $10. You're the one that talked me into $100. <laughs> um, so, yeah, to, to wrap up our 2019 season... We have our 2019 Tampa Bay Buccaneers season gift card winner. And David has not told me who won. This was a a random selection, and we are going to play the winning voicemail on the show. Yeah, buddy. So, David, play the winner. Hey, James. Hey, David. It's Chris. I'm not going to say my Twitter handle anymore because... You guys probably know it by now anyway, so. Um, so a few points I wanted to make. Preseason is finally over. Thank God. That was uh, kind of like after the first or second preseason game, you're like, all right, let's get to the regular season. So, yeah, it's been a long few weeks trying to get just to this point. So just have to wait one more week for regular season action when the 49ers come to town and get that. But we'll... Um, yeah, one point I wanted to make was this whole uh, Todd Bowles defense in that his systems never relied on, like, big-name guys, big-money guys to rush the passer. Um, he finds ways to manufacture pressure, and I, I think we saw that a lot through the preseason, you know, where... Jack Sitchie's coming up the middle or Devin White's coming up the middle or Isaiah Johnson's coming off the edge. Like, there's ways you can manufacture pressure and create sacks. Now, I'm hoping that'll still work in the regular season. I think it will. I think with Sue and when Bay gets back, it's going to open a lot of things up for this uh, linebacking group and um, guys coming off the edge. Uh, so... Yep, just wanted to hit that point. And then Tanner Hudson, man. Um, I know you guys said don't be surprised if he's cut, but you got to be able to keep good football players, so you got to find a way to keep Tanner Hudson. Yeah, he can't block, but you know what? When you're a fourth tight end or you're a sixth wide receiver, you're not really playing that position too often. You're mainly playing special teams. Anyway, so 
the whole, well, you can't block, so you can't be a fourth tight end, I don't buy it, and I don't really care to buy it either. So, uh, anyways, have a great day, and go Bucks. And can't wait till week one comes around. All right, well, Chris, congratulations, good sir. Um, turns out, yeah, I mean, the guys in the middle did open up some things for the linebackers coming off the edge and, uh, yeah, they really didn't need Tanner Hudson because all tight ends do in Bruce Arian system is block. So yeah, other than that, uh, congratulations on the gift card. Please send a DM to the locked on bucks Twitter account with your email address and we will send over the gift card code for you. And uh, David, the floor is yours. Yeah, no, I mean, c- congratulations, Chris. You know, uh, it's it's cool. Um, it's it's been a good end of the season for Chris. I mean, he, he got up on the ship there. Was was recognized yeah. by the Bucks there for his for his service, uh, fellow military member. And then now he's out hundred bucks. The NFL shop uh, or NFL shop. You know what I mean? So so spend that wisely, or wait till draft season comes out and. Spend it there, whatever you want to do with it. Um, but yeah, congratulations, to me. It's, it's I always it's fun going back to some of those old things and, and listening to them. And you know, uh, I think that 49ers fans would would appreciate hearing that voicemail again as well uh, if if they got a chance to. But yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, pass rush obviously was manufactured. I mean, Shaq Barrett wasn't a big name necessarily at the time, but he's he's sure is a big name now. And hopefully, they're going to lean on that big name in 2020. And then yeah, Tanner. Uh, did a pretty solid job. I mean, for for what he was asked to do, you know, he had some moments that he could have could have done better here and there. Of course, you know, I think all of the players would say that they had those opportunities. But hey, man, Tanner had t- Tanner had the most important thing that you need as a young NFL player trying to develop in the league, and that's staying power. Because you know, outside of injury, he was there all year. So um, yeah, congratulations, Chris. Good way to end the year. I think it's just kind of ironic though that at the end of the day, um, the winning voicemail came in the preseason versus uh you know later in the season or something like that so that's how the dice are rolled uh that's how the that's how the dice roll i don't know that's how the dice roll so it's it was fun to see that and and hold on to that and, and make james wait to hear it um the same time that you guys are here well playing at the same time playing it for you guys so congrats because yeah, i i thought for sure when david wouldn't tell me who the winner was i thought it was going to be matt from morvin georgia talking about how much he hates our intro song and i was like that would be a fitting a fitting winner that he would take a shot at one of my all time favorite bands. And then I would have to give him money. Um, <laughs> yeah, would, I mean, we, that would have been amazing. I'm not gonna lie. That would have been pretty fun. You, you would have received a $50 gift card and instead of a hundred, because I just <laughs> would not have sent my money over. Yeah. We had over, over 250, uh, entries in, into this, into this drawing that we did. So yeah, it is kind of funny that this was, this was a voicemail that was sent very early in the process. Um, you know, that it came in the preseason, but you know, it it was fun to do. And, and, you know, David and I are, we're going to work on some, some more giveaways throughout the season. Of course, we're going to do one for the draft again. Um, but yeah, overall, you know, it's, it's our way of thanking you guys for a great, a great, uh, 2019. We wouldn't, be doing this if it wasn't for all of you listening and, and sending in your voicemails and sending us your questions we would not have reached uh you know the the level of success that i feel that we have reached without all of you and having yet another year where we've seen a lot of increase in in listeners and, and a large growth 
um, you know, it's it's exciting. And, you know, as the Bucks continue to get better, David, I think our show is going to continue to get better because more people are going to be interested. More people are going to interact. And that's what makes it so fun to do. So, yeah, I mean, the the daily podcast thing can be an absolute grind. It can be a nightmare at times. But at the end of the day, when when you guys are interacting with us, it makes us it makes it worth it. And it makes it fun to, quote unquote, show up for work. Uh, as we sit behind our our microphones and and talk about the Buccaneers, so a big thank you from from me to to all of you. And I know I know David has some some parting thoughts on 2019. Yeah, I mean everything you just said, James, is 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 100 true. I mean, uh, you know, we we started one podcast before uh, the, the Locked On Buck spot came open, and and we were able to to land this gig and. Um, you know, the reason we wanted to to join the network that we did with the Locked On guys is because it had it had a bigger audience and, and a bigger opening to everybody. And, you know, we were moving over to Bucks Nation and it just kind of felt like the right time to kind of make a full transition. Um, if we wanted to just listen to ourselves talk, we would have stayed at our old show because that's pretty much the only people that were listening to us at the old show. Yeah, um, pretty much. So we, <laughs> so we greatly appreciate you guys um, for all your feedback, all your interactions. You know what I mean? Uh, you, ha- you haven't all I mean. Hell, uh, the the winning voicemail, you know, Chris even said, you know, I know you guys think Tanner is going to get cut, but I don't agree with that. I don't I refuse to accept it. Hey, brother, we're, we're with you. You know what I mean? So uh, agree or disagree. It's all about, you know, uh, connecting with people that are like minded and, and have a similar interest. You know, we we cover this team from the perch that we can and you guys follow the team and, and we're fortunate enough and, and blessed enough that you guys uh, care enough about what we have to say um, that you that you tune in and, and you participate. So can't thank you enough. Um, and yeah, this is just, you know, a small token of our appreciation, of course. Um, happy to do it. And yeah, looking forward to, I'll give you a couple of hints. Uh, pay attention to fast guys and pay attention to bucks guys uh, coming up for these draft competitions or these draft uh, contests that we're going to, we're talking about doing some, some giveaways for. And then, I mean, James, I, I see no reason why we shouldn't roll it back for a third year. I think that, uh, you know, we're, we're probably going to do another voicemail drawing um for next season as well oh absolutely uh, maybe this time we'll do like a thousand dollar gift card i don't know whoa you know, just go crazy not no not that crazy. <laughs> hey listen though um i got a hockey but, season to pay for too <laughs> <laughs> no, no, i'm joking um but yeah but i mean you know uh it's 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 a lot of fun and you know we're here in january and obviously we're only a few days in but last january we had Bruce Arians getting hired. You know what I mean? We had the, the arrival of, of a new head coach, the departure of an old head coach. That's hot news. Those are hot topics. We are well and above where we were last January right now as it is. And I know we're, again, we're only a couple days in, but I think that just kind of shows the growth. So for all you you listeners who've joined us this year, obviously we love our old heads. You know, guys like Chris Layton who have been here pretty much since we started uh, at Locked on Bucks. But some of you guys, we got a voicemail just recently saying that, you know, you just found us this year. Hey, we, we appreciate you just as much as as everybody else. And, you know, hopefully you liked what you saw long enough to stick around or well enough to stick around. And hopefully we can we can keep your attention. But if you haven't caught on to some of the other voicemails, uh, if you've got requests, um, we're not live, but we do have a request line. So we're, we're open to requests. We can't satisfy them all, obviously, all of the time. But we can, you know, here and there uh, fulfill requests that, that you guys want. This, this show is about you. So if, if you want specific content, by all means, throw it out there. And, you know, if we can make it happen, we will. Um, speaking of which, actually, you want to talk about the new theme song thing for next week? 
Uh, yeah, we're, we're we're playing a a different intro theme song each episode of next week. Is that correct? Is that how we're doing this? Yep. So they'll have five choices to pick from. Yeah, and then we'll have you guys vote on what our theme will be up until the new league year kicks off, right? And then we're we're going with the other one that you have already picked. Is that correct? Uh, I think we're I think we're just gonna do the Super Bowl. I think we'll we'll keep the voting open till the Super Bowl, and then starting after the Super Bowl, we'll pick up with the new theme song that you guys vote on. Um, I'll create a Google like a Google uh, form sheet, whatever. With all the options, it'll be on Twitter, it'll be pinned and all that stuff. You guys will be able to find it really easily. Go on there and just vote for your favorite. Uh, we got a lot of recommendations from from listeners, and we appreciate them all. Listen, I couldn't um, I couldn't make a theme song or an intro song out of every single recommendation. Some of them were just they just didn't fit. Uh, one of our one of our listeners messaged me and asked for a Nelly song, and Nelly songs are fun and everything. Got but like the way the intro or the way the instrumentals work with the vocals and everything, like. It was just, it was, I, I believe me, I worked it. James heard it. I did the best I could with it, but we both kind of agreed. It was just way too much going on uh, with that introduction. So unfortunately scrapped that one, but we got some other ones in um, that we've made some out of. Uh, we got a Star Wars recommendation that we ran with uh, some classic rock stuff. And yeah, I mean, so we'll let you guys pick um, from those five uh, nominees, I guess if you want to call them that. And then that'll be our, our intro song uh, for the, for the next year or so. Okay, so that's gonna that's gonna carry on all the way through the twenty twenty season. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Well, it's up to you guys. So, Matt, I don't want to hear a word out of your mouth if you don't like what the theme song is, because you can vote, but it's up to your fellow listeners to decide what's going on with this one. So don't don't give me any more grief about this. Goodness gracious, you can, Matt. You can give them all the grief you want. I'll still play it. Matt from Morvin, Georgia, giving me a hard time about Lincoln Park. Um, I love you, Matt. I'm just kidding. Say hi to Troy for us. Um, and and David, you mentioned it. We had a, a, a Star Wars recommendation. Speaking of Star Wars, of course, we will do yet another chapter of David Reviews Star Wars coming up as the bonus portion of this show. But for everyone out there, again, a very heartfelt thank you from David and myself for a great 2019. You guys really made this year a lot of fun and very special. And hopefully this time next year, we're talking about a playoff game and not <clears throat> discussing the off season again so soon. So if you want to listen to the star Wars portion of the show, just make sure you listen through the, uh, the special song that David has picked. We are going to, uh, we're going to play that, and then we'll dive into uh, David Reviews Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. Please check out everything going on over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you're sending us your voicemails to 813-444-5841. Follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Again, cannot thank you enough for what you did for us in 2019. Hopefully we brought you some, uh, some happiness, some joy, some uh, thought provoking ideas or conversations. And we hope to continue to do so all through 2020. Hope you all have an absolutely phenomenal day. And we thank you so much for joining us right here at locked on bucks. Come on.
can never turn my back on y'all Cause y'all put me where I'm at So when you call, I'll be there just like that Telling little kids, don't follow these dopes See, I'ma keep barking long as y'all bark with me You know the website, all you gotta do is hit me From up top to out west and down in the dirty Can't forget about the Midwest, that's where I was found But without y'all, I couldn't kick it like this I wanna, I wanna thank you for the groups that came before me All of y'all in the office that promote me on the streets All the mom and pop stores that don't get a lot of credit Thank you for your support and yes, I'm gonna keep it coming I love how you love that so I'm giving back Cause y'all the ones that kept this player on track The reason I'm seen is because of you The reason I'm heard and my dreams came true All I'm trying to do is show you some L-O-V-E And let you know without y'all there is no me Now if you ride for we, then I'ma ride for you From the bottom of my heart, baby, tell them what I wanna I do I wanna thank you Discussing starring, all right. Starring, thank you. I am your moderator, James Yarko. <laughs> uh, we are discussing what I thought was going to be the most divisive and polarizing of the movies Star Wars Episode 8, The Last Jedi. Turns out, Rise of Skywalker, all kinds of divisive as well, but we'll get to that Is after it? David sees it. Because David, unfortunately, had to postpone his viewing from last weekend to hopefully this weekend. But we need to we need to talk about The Last Jedi before he sees The Rise of Skywalker. You guys heard how seeing both The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi before reviewing The Force Awakens kind of muddled some things. But let's go ahead and dive right in. David, overall thoughts. Did you enjoy The Last Jedi? <clears throat> um overall yes yes i did um overall the movie was was a positive experience for me why was it divisive though is it is it a divisive movie very because very divisive yeah because i mean i've been watching movies but i i haven't you know dived into like star wars social media or anything like that so i guess i don't i don't like you're the only star wars person and then our our listeners on Twitter and voicemails, like that's the only star Wars conversation I've literally ever had in my life. Oh, the director, Ryan Johnson was getting death threats on Twitter. He had been nicknamed ruin Johnson because he ruined star Wars. Um, really? Oh yeah. The hashtag, not my Luke Skywalker, uh, was a big thing because Ryan Johnson destroyed the character of Luke Skywalker. Um, Uh, seems, seems to fit with the character arc pretty well. I see, and I figured you wouldn't mind because you you messaged me yeah. watching this movie, and you said finally Luke Skywalker did something right, yeah. and I'm like that's fantastic. Um, yeah. 
yeah, why why are we uh, watching a a two hour, two and a half hour long movie where they're just slowly chasing each other through space? Um, you know, why does Ray? Why is Ray so powerful? And this is a continuing theme through through all of them. Why is Ray so powerful with with no training at all? And uh, I have some thoughts on that. In fact, I'm probably gonna gonna go on a bit of a tangent, but not on here. Tease, tease, sizzle, sizzle. I will be guest hosting uh, the Rogue One podcast, a Star Wars podcast for winners uh, next week with Johnny Grasso. Very excited to jump back on that podcast again. Um, nice. And I, I have some thoughts about the people that whine and cry about about how powerful Ray is with no training. And uh, I don't know. I might get I might get quite a bit of hate for it. But you know what? It makes sense in my brain. So. I'm going to say it. By the way, I know where Ray comes from. Oh, you, you've, you, I is, figured it out. You figured it out. Okay. Yeah. So I have All a right. theory. I'll, I'll put it that way. I have a, so I want to say that to last, but I don't have like all the logistics worked out, but I don't know. I just, I have a feeling, so I'm just going to stick with it. Um, we'll talk about the very end, but I wanted to, I wanted to poke that into your head so that you remember it for the end. Okay, well, we're not going to spend a, a crazy amount of time. On yeah, this, just like this two one. hours or so. Yeah, well, because last time, you know, you said you wanted to do seven and eight together, and I was like, yeah, that'll turn into two hours. We spent an hour talking about The Force Awakens. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm looking at trying to keep this at about 30 minutes. Yeah, um, let's go. Let's do it. But, yeah, right out of the gate. Oh, and the other, the other thing that people whined and cried about was the Canto Bite stuff with Finn and Rose. That was another big can't what'd you say canto bite canto bite the casino planet that that poe and uh, or not poe finn and rose went to where they met yeah. benicio del toro yeah oh people were not happy with that scene what a waste of time that did nothing yeah it's so much crying about this movie and honestly it's one of my favorites i love this movie usa today named the last jedi the number 10 movie of the decade it was the only star wars movie listed in the top 25 mm-hmm. and of course we've had five star wars movies come out in the decade the last jedi was the only one in the top 25 and it was number 10 it was a wonderfully made movie i really really love it, and i love it the more i watch it but mm-hmm. we're not here to talk about my thoughts we know that i love star wars let's get into what you really enjoyed about the last jedi what I really enjoyed. Yes. Um, Let's start I, with the positives because we always we always harp on the negatives, and then you get people mentioning you on Twitter about how much you hate Star Wars, <laughs> and that's just not the case. Yeah. Um, I like the Ray character. Uh, yeah, I, I dig her. Um, I think that you know what 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 she has that other characters were missing. At least the hero characters in this series were missing is consistency and realistic type of. Uh, approach to what she's doing like like in the beginning I know we're kind of getting out of this movie a little bit but in the beginning you know she kind of starts off as like this reluctant like you know like I, I know there's something more to me type of deal but I don't really know what it is so I'm kind of scared of it which is a natural reaction you know and then as she learns more about what it is that's happening she embraces it more which should be a natural reaction versus uh, certain other characters who will be named shortly I'm sure who <laughs> are like, oh, I believe I have this greatness in me. And no, 
expert trainer of this greatness that I believe I have in me. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm just going to do it on my own. And then poof, you know, magically I'm just this, this great person, except you're actually not, which, uh, is, is proven. So my, my, my positive is turning into a negative, um, which is just proven further in this movie that everything I said about Luke Skywalker is real, is, is legit, is, is accurate. So, um, I don't know if you, if you hate the director of this movie, I guess you hate me too. Cause he made me right. Um, but I like Ray a lot. Um, I like the, you know, the role players like, uh, what is it? Finn, um, Poe, Leia, who's, oh, Leia, no, I'm stupid. Leia. Um, who's the, who's the girl that goes to the, the, the casino planet Rose Rose. Yeah. I don't have, I have a little bit of problem with the whole like romance dynamic, like as it, it, it just kind of felt forced, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. It just kind of felt like, okay, so we're just going to inject a love story. Like, I don't mind a love story. Fine. But just where they decided to do it and how they decided to do it just kind of felt weird. Um, I suppose. Uh, and then, uh, seeing Benicio del Toro, del Toro, love it. I mean, that I makes the movie, uh, that makes the movie good, right? Just by itself. So I love the character of DJ and I love the little, the little character decision that Benicio del Toro made to make him yeah. stutter. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, like, that it was, was great. It was that dude's a great actor. Um, I love him in everything that I've seen him and I haven't seen everything he's done, but everything I've seen him in, I enjoy thoroughly. Um, I have no problem with the Vegas casino with the, the Vegas, the casino planet scene. I don't know. Like, I mean, I suppose like, okay. Like, did you have to have all that go down? Not necessarily, I guess, but I mean, um, you know, I, I mean, I can't speak for the director or whatever, but I don't feel like it was necessarily a waste. Like I wasn't sitting there watching it going, okay, why are we like, it was, it was a little bit important because like we see where Finn came from. So it kind of, you know, we have that character development and everything. And then that's where you kind of get to see where Rose came from. You know what I mean? Like, um, it's not a full backstory or anything like that, but I think it kind of, it gives some reality to that character and makes you care a little bit when she's in peril. You care a little bit more, I think, because of that scene. That what happens to her versus if if that scene wasn't in there, and you know, in that in those final moments or whatever, where you know she was doing all the crazy crap and you know almost killing herself to save Finn and all that, like if she, if that happens without that scene, I think you care less about what she's doing and why she's doing it. But because that scene is in there, it kind of it's a way of giving you a little bit of her backstory without just forcing it in your face, which we've seen in this series. They've done that, like like the the love story with the anger building between Anakin and and Padme, like that was so just forced in your face, you know, where it's like two sides of a coin and we're literally just going to smash you with the side of the coin we want you to see. So I think thinking back on it, I think that was well, that was well done from a, from a movie design standpoint. It was a good way of introducing a character who turned out to be fairly central to, you know, the, the, the story plot or the, 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 the arc of the story and a good way of giving you context to another sideline character, if you want to call her that. Um, but I think those things are important if you can do them successfully. Yeah. And one of the big things that I took away from, from the entire Finn and Rose Canto by side story was you have Finn in the beginning of this movie. And you have to remember the, the last Jedi picks up within hours of the force awakens ending. So you have Finn who was raised his entire life to be a stormtrooper. He gets out of that life 
And his number one concern <clears throat> is just making sure his friend is okay. His friend and Ray. And so he wakes up out of his, his back to suit, you know, Finn naked leaking bag. Um, and his number one question is where's Ray? His entire purpose was save Ray. You know, he was going to ditch the resistance with the beacon to make sure that Ray didn't go back to the resistance and, and get in trouble. Yeah. And I think what Canto bite did was it opened his eyes to exactly how important this fight is. Mm-hmm. And that's why by the end, he was willing to sacrifice his life to save the resistance instead of just focusing on saving Ray. And I think that was a, a crucial moment for Finn's character. A lot of people don't agree, but that's how I took it when yeah. I when I left the theater was they they wanted to push to me how how important it was for Finn to jump basically from one side of a war to the other because mm-hmm. of how important he felt it, it was. No, that's valid. I mean, I, I didn't connect those dots, honestly, but now that you talk about it, it definitely fits. And I mean, because, yeah, because he's a character who, I mean, in the beginning, he was just saving his own skin. And then, you know, you just kind of gradually see him. like he got connected with some of the characters. So he's like, okay, well, let me save your skin with mine. And, yeah, I mean, towards the end there, he's like, okay, let me sacrifice everything for the for the cause. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, that, that fits too. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, really, I mean, with those things, that's actually a pretty – critical scene to be honest with you because it kind of it kind of glues it all together um thinking about like if you saw finn go from you know kind of being this you know a little bit selfish uh kind of a a self-serving type of character to now i'm gonna sacrifice myself for the group like i I can honestly sit here and say that i think that without that that build-up even though it didn't quite strike with me in the moment seeing him go from that to that without those in between moments that where you kind of see that growth of the character probably would have sat a little bit weird. So yeah, good points. Um, can we talk about how great Yoda was? Yoda is, is awesome. I mean, so Yoda, you know, we talked about this with the first movie. Yoda isn't what I thought he was supposed to be, but what Yoda is, is still awesome. Like I, I'm a, I'm a fan of Yoda. Um, I just think it's funny that, Yoda literally laughed at Luke. Like mm-hmm. I'm sitting here watching the movie. I'm like, Yoda knows too. Like, like guys, I'm right. Like nobody's told me I'm wrong about Luke. Like people are like, Oh, I think it's hilarious how you, you know, compared him and da, da, da. nobody's really told me I was wrong about Luke Skywalker, but that scene, you know, with, with the tree and everything like Yoda, like that's a moment where Yoda and I, like if it was real life, we'd make eye contact and be like, yeah, we know, you know who he is. I know who he is. And it's funny because the, the quote, right. Is, is we are what they grow beyond. And when he said that, I was like, that's so that's that's very intelligent, it's very wise, and that's so deep, and it's awesome. Luke didn't grow past anything. Like, Luke is the failure of the Jedi. Like, Luke's not better than Yoda. He's not better than uh Qui-Gon. He's not better than Obi-Wan. He's not, he's not, he's not better than any of those guys. He didn't grow beyond any of them, as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, it looks like Ray is already growing beyond Luke and she's not even like a full fledged Jedi or whatever in, in the traditional sense, I suppose. Um, she's obviously got the force and you know, or the force is strong with her or whatever, but yeah. Um, Luke's a scrub, man. 
but he, even a broke clock is to right twice a day. So he got something right at the end, like you said. Here's the big thing about Luke, and and this is where people, again, I had no problem with what Ryan Johnson did with Luke Skywalker because to me, he was painted into a corner. What are you supposed to do with the character who's supposed to be the hero of the original trilogy, who's supposed to be this all powerful Jedi, whose nephew and uh, and student destroyed his temple, killed his other students. You know, and then the guy goes off to to an island. Like, what what is what are you supposed to do with that? That's what JJ left him. So okay, so, so he Ryan, So who did the first one, or who did episode seven? JJ Abrams. And episode eight was this other guy, Ryan Johnson. Okay, yeah. I mean, given where Luke's, like, I don't know, man. Like, if 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 that movie, if episode eight would have opened up with Luke turning around and being like. I've been waiting for you. Let's go say it like what that would have been stupid. Um, yeah. I mean, he did the only honestly like that. What happened with, with Luke? Cause that's honestly what I was expecting from these last two movies is like, I knew Luke was going to come back some way, somehow. I didn't know how, but I knew that Luke was going to come back. And uh, just cause I know enough about the movie. Like, you know what I mean? I remember seeing, you know, the actor in all these, you know, whatever's like, you know, red carpet and he's, you know what I mean? So I know, but especially this this second movie, yeah. After I mean, the dude runs away from the like you know call it whatever you want disappears, vanishes. When the high, the dude ran away, he tucked his tail and he ran away, um, which I'm pretty sure is not the way of the Jedi. By the way, um, eh, there's precedent for that. What? What's precedent for running he, away? He sent himself into exile. Yeah, the same way Yoda did. Away. It's the same way that Yoda did after he lost to Palpatine in Episode Three. And it's the same way that Obi-Wan did after he defeated Anakin. They sent themselves into exile. So there is precedent mm. for this now. And here's here's how I've how I've explained it to people. And I actually got got somebody to kind of change his mind on this. I'm not here to change people's minds. This is how I view it. And people talk about, you know, Luke, who who always had faith that he could revive Anakin Skywalker and turn Darth Vader back to the light. You know, he's going to, he's going to see a vision in, in Ben Solo's mind and, and get ready to strike him down with a lightsaber and kill him. Like, that's not my Luke Skywalker. And he ran away and, and he hid and, and here's how I look at this. David, do you, do you, I mean, you, you obviously have, have children. Do you have any, any nieces or nephews? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's say you decide to do an uncle nephew day. You're gonna mm-hmm. take you're gonna take your nephew out. You guys are gonna go, yeah, hit up McDonald's, grab some lunch, go play laser tag, whatever. And you're driving him home to your sister's house. I don't know if you have a sister or if it's brother. It or would whoever, be my sister in law, but yeah. Okay, so we'll say it's your sister in this case. You're driving mm-hmm. your nephew home to your sister's house. And a drunk driver runs a red light, T-bones you, kills your nephew, and you survive. Yeah. You're going to be too pumped to run back to any uh, family reunions anytime soon? Or are you probably going to be so guilt-ridden, even though it's not your fault? Even though it wasn't your fault, you're going to be too excited to hang out with your sister too often, knowing that her son died under your watch? 
I get what you're saying, but uh, I mean, I guess. So in this case, Snoke is the drunk driver, I suppose. Yes. Drunk with evil. But I mean, I don't know. Like, I kind of look at it as more of a, if I was on my way to drop him off and we stopped to get gas and while we were stopping at gas, this gang convinced him to join their gang and he was like, screw you, I'm joining the gang and then tried to carjack me or did carjack me in the process. Uh, I, I wouldn't be, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I would tell my sister to suck it up. But it's not my fault. Your kid sucks. That's your fault. Well, see, that's the thing is when, when he joined Snoke, Ben Solo died. Kylo yeah, Ren I, I was it. born. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. how I view it. And again, I'm not trying to change your mind. I'm just saying that's how I viewed <clears throat> the exile. So my thing about this, right, went into Right. So I get what you're saying. It's not a, it's not an illogical connection, but my thing about it is like when, when, when Obi-Wan went into exile, when Yoda went into exile, they had been defeated by the Sith, like not like wiped out, you know, annihilated, but like they had been dealt a pretty significant blow by the Sith. So I look at it as more of a tactical, it's a, it's a tactical retreat. You move back, you reset, you re, you re, you reassimilate, you know, uh, refit and you get ready to come back. Um, but the key is you get ready to come back. You know what I mean? And that's what happened. Like, like at the end of the day, you saw in episode four, like Obi-Wan was always waiting for the moment where it was time to come back. And then when the, when the time came that now is the time to come back, we're coming back and we're coming back strong. Um, that would work. Luke. Well, hang on. I'm not done yet. Okay. Luke went away with zero intention of ever coming back for one. Two, Luke didn't go away having gotten defeated by like the Sith or like, like the, 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 the level of defeat here. Like I understand the, the feeling of personal defeat of, you know, this is my nephew and I'm going to mold him in the shape of the Jedi and we're going to make the Jedi what it was once before. And, you know, look how awesome this is going to be. And, oh no, I got betrayed. And, you know, uh, uh, I don't know. I kind of felt like towards the end there, he, he was more of a, it was more, not so much a guilt of like that your son turned and, and you know, was killed because he's now this other guy more of a, I was the final straw because that's, I, that's the significance I took from the, the cut scene or the back, the back, the flashback of, you know, when he's in the hut or whatever it is, and he's getting ready to kill him. And then, uh, you know, Ben, uh, Kenobi or, uh, solo, whatever rolls over and he saw the fear in him. It, he was like, Oh, I realized it wasn't, you know, hate. It was fear. And but then it was too late. And, you know, Kylo is like, oh, crap, you're going to kill me. So screw you. I'm going to kill you first. I looked at it more like Luke felt guilty because he he basically realized he gave him the final push that Snoke needed um, versus Snoke solely by himself, pulling him away from the from the Jedi. Um, Then it was that he got defeated by Snoke in that whole endeavor. And even if he got defeated, though. Like the defeat that Luke just experienced with that, while yes, personally matters. Again, going through the the way of the Jedi, that's not supposed to matter in your decision making. Those those personal connections are not supposed to be what drives you, especially as a Jedi Master. And at this point, he's a Jedi Master. So yes, you just lost your nephew. Yes, it sucks. Maybe Han's mad at you. Maybe Leah's mad at you. I don't know. But those are you know, don't let your feelings betray you. Those are things you're supposed to put away and do what's necessary for the mission, basically. And instead, Luke did what was best for Luke, 
and went into exile with no intentions of ever coming back or bringing the Jedi back. Like his plan was to end the Jedi. Like he, he became, you know, something worse than the Sith ever was because the Sith wanted to, to eliminate the Jedi in, in a, in a fight and with force and everything. But Luke basically represented the last hope of the Jedi, at least until Ray showed up and ba- essentially wanted to snuff it out himself. While I, I understand that I, I'm not going to fully agree. Number one, going back to, to Yoda's exile, your, your argument for that might work if it wasn't specifically for the line failed. I have into exile. I must go. There was no plans for Yoda to ever come back. None. He yeah, wanted nothing to do with that, it. Yeah. And, and he no. fought off trying to, to train uh turd boy as, as you uh, affectionately. Well, I mean, but to be fair, I, I said Yoda wasn't like the, the super badass that I thought he was when I, when right. I heard this whole thing. I do sure. still like his character, but uh, you know, that's, that was evident to me in episode four and five that Yoda honestly is, a, is kind of weak. Well, and then the the other argument is it wasn't it wasn't even all because of the personal relationship between Luke and Ben. You have to remember Luke was running a school. He had a dozen students plus Ben Solo, and when Ben destroyed the the temple, he thought he killed Luke, but he killed all the other kids. Like, so Luke was the end of the Jedi because he thought he could train these kids and he has a student turn on him and kill all the other students. Yeah, I just, so, I don't know, man. Like, and, and that's rough, know. man. It just, it doesn't sit. Yeah. But, you know, when, when you're, when you're the last, when you're the single point of failure on something that needs to get done, you don't let it fail. Uh, you know, everybody's going to blend their own personal experiences with this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? But sure. when, when you're the single point of failure for something and it's on you to get the job done, that's that's. And so we talk about resiliency, right? And let's tie this all back to the Buccaneers. Resiliency was a, a huge word that was bounced around all year long. And I, and I agree that it fits that team. Um, that's what, you know, the Jedi really just kind of in general are lacking is resiliency. If you if you really want the truth of it, because there's a lot of definitions of resiliency. But there was a uh, there was a leader in my battalion who uh, she's she's elsewhere now. But and she quoted somebody else, so I can't remember who she quoted. So I'm basically going to quote her. Um, but she said in in a speech once that resiliency is the lack of self pity, and that makes a lot of sense, at least in the Absolutely. world that I come from. Um, and what I see in really like you're pointing out some some key things with the Jedi just in general, and the Jedi have a very as much as they say don't let your feelings they have a lot of self pity. Um, yeah. And Luke has a lot of self-pity, maybe just as much or even more than Anakin did. Um, like really, Luke and Anakin, emotionally speaking, are, are fairly similar, which makes sense, I guess, from from a certain aspect because they're, you know, father and son. But really, the difference I see is that there was no evil person that got their claws into Luke to basically draw him to the dark side the way that they did Anakin. But you have a lot of unfairs and you have a lot of woe is me's and you have a lot of, oh, it didn't go my way. So I'm going to pout like it's just it's 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 not it's not a very well-rounded hero collective, I suppose. Um, if you know when you when you look at the whole thing, but Ray so far, we'll see how it ends. But Ray so far seems to be the most rounded, which is why I think I figured out 
how this how this at least how part of it's gonna end. not the whole thing obviously but i think i know where ray comes from okay well we're gonna get to that in a minute but there's there's two other things real quick that i want to touch on and yeah. let's let's round out this luke thing mm-hmm. because you're talking about resiliency you're talking about if if you're the i i can't remember exactly how you phrased it but if, if you're the single point of failure you can't let the failure happen and in the end when it came down to it Luke stepped up and he didn't let that failure happen. He did step up, but in the end, he wasn't a single point failure anymore because Ray's there and she's got the force and she trained. And so she, she, he's no longer the single point of failure, but yes, he did step up. Well, and huh? good. I was going to say, well, without, without Luke doing, and, and here's where, what I would like to throw back at, <clears throat> at the hashtag, not my Luke Skywalker people. <clears throat> and that was another big thing. How could he kill off Luke Skywalker? We just watched Luke Skywalker sacrifice himself by using the greatest force power we have ever seen on television or in a movie. Mm -hmm. It was impressive. Now, my question to you, first off, when or did you notice that Luke wasn't really there? Did you figure it out before they showed him meditating on the rock? Not even close. Okay. Well, now, I mean, so there's a part in the fight where, like, he basically, like, goes to cut him in half or something, right? And right. he just swipes through him. So, obviously, in that moment, I'm like, uh, what? Like, <laughs> so, you know, Luke isn't, I mean, so, uh, I'm trying to go back to it. Like, no, because I'm pretty sure the thought that went through my head was, like, okay, either he's not actually there and this is some sort of new Jedi trick, which, you know, my annoyance of the whole every movie, there's a new thing the Jedi can suddenly do. Um, that's my favorite thing. Yeah, but uh, or I was like, please don't let this be something stupid to where like Luke is like what he was actually doing on the island was like ascending to a new level of Jedi. Like, you know what I mean? Like where now he's some sort of like, uh, I don't know, almost like an angel type of character versus like he's no longer a human being. That's like that's the true reason he was at the island was he's actually getting super strong and like absorbing the 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 and whatever of all the other jet you know what i mean like i was like please don't go that route and so when i saw him on the rock and i realized okay he's basically like teleporting like his like a vision of him uh Mm -hmm. to the to the fight i was like okay again it's it's yet again it's like hey in the story we need to make this make sense oh let's just create a new jedi superpower so it still feels lazy in that aspect to me but i like it um and, and I like the way it went, and then it's finally Luke's moment of redemption. Which, if at the end of the day, if Ray is successful in the what is this, the new generation or the first order, um, if they go down, then it'll all be worth it. And it kind of shows that at the end of the day, there, there, I don't know, there may be no Jedi, no Sith anymore, but the Jedi were successful. Like at the end of the day, this the Jedi won because good person or good prevailed over evil if the whole thing ends at least with that type of, you know, ending. Oh, and uh, yet again, you touched on something else that people loved to complain about was this new force power that Luke had this force projection. And they actually touch on it earlier in the movie, which you don't really notice until you see it a second time is the first time that, that Kylo and Ray force FaceTime. And you know, so they're saying, you know, I can, I can see you, can you, or I, I can't see your surroundings. Oh, yeah, he says you're not, you my- yeah, he said you're not strong enough. Like somebody else 
Because yeah. it was Snoke. Snoke was doing it. Right. He goes, he goes, you're not doing this. The effort would kill you. But Luke did it, and the effort did kill him. Now, Ryan Johnson, again, God, I love that guy, and he got so much crap on Twitter. I can't believe he's still on Twitter, but God bless him for it. Um, he He did a thread of him just taking photos. No captions or anything. Just a thread of him taking photos. And it shows the first photo was a bookshelf in his office. And the second photo was him pulling a book out of the shelf. And then he took a photo of the cover of the book. And it was uh, a book about Jedi lore. And this is a, a canon mm-hmm. novel. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then it shows him opening the book. And then it shows a picture of the page of force projections. Mm-hmm. So this was an already established power. This wasn't in the movies. It had just never been in a movie. And yeah. and I was talking to to my kids before we went to go see. I had already seen Rise of Skywalker. They hadn't. We were going um, you know, a couple of days later. And of course, Battlefront 2 had released an update where it had all these new skins and everything. And I said, my my son Jackson asked, you know, can we can we get it and play? And I said, well, I want to wait until after you see the movie, because if they put, you know, a different power in there. I don't want that spoiled for you in a game. And he goes, well, dad, you just spoiled it for me because you just told me that there's a new force power. And I said, Jackson, there's a new force power in every single movie that we see. And he made me go through. So you have to, you have to go through obviously in release order. You can't go in episode order, but you, I went in release order and I told him every new force power that got displayed in every movie. And there is at least one, a lot of times two new force powers introduced in every single movie. And the rise of Skywalker is no different. Yeah. It's annoying every time. Oh man. I love, love the new one in uh in rise of skywalker it might be one of my favorite things about the movie especially the way it pays off i cannot wait to talk to you about that but um real quick the other thing that i want to touch on before we get to your your ray lineage because we are coming up on the on the 30 minute mark that i wanted to try to keep this at yeah um let's talk about force facetime okay and let's let's talk about about kylo yet (laughs) <laughs> right. Let's talk about the connection that, that Kylo and and Ray have at this at this moment in time where it starts off. You're a monster. And mm-hmm. and, you know, go on. Say it. Say it. You know, Why did you kill your dad? You had a father who loved you, who gave a damn about you. That's my Ray impression. Um, All right. And then slowly it gets to the point where they're they're force touching hands in a hut and making Luke Skywalker lose his mind because he thinks Ray is going to the darkness. But what did you kind of think about the way Kylo Kylo would let his guard down and be Ben for a moment when it was just him and Ray? Uh, if it's the, what I thought about him in the first movie is that he's not, he's not evil. He's, he's not an evil person. Like as much as he kind of thinks that's supposed to be where he's supposed to be and, how he's supposed to go and he's is an emotional child and and all that stuff he's not an actual evil person like he's it's it's almost like the opposite of anakin um which fits the theme of the series uh and that's kind of where i actually so long so thinking about this actual like kind of sort of topic is what led me to where i got to with ray by the way um so with anakin you have 
a guy, you have a guy who is supposed to be on the light side, wants to be good. It's supposed to be good and all this other stuff. But at the end of the day, the dude's just evil. Like, yes, you know, Palpatine, you know, milked it and grew it and, and all this stuff. But you can see from the very, from the very first scene of episode two, you can see the angst and the anger and the frustration and the pride, uh, that Anakin carries naturally with him. And it kind of brings up the whole nature versus nurture, right? Like the Jedi is all about nurturing what's already inside of you. Well, the problem is what was already inside of Anakin was dark. And so it makes sense that when Palpatine started nurturing that side of him, it grew 10 times faster and 10 times stronger than any light in him did because it wasn't natural. With Kylo, you see he's supposed to be like, he comes from light, but he wants to be like, he thinks for whatever reason, whether it's because Snoke got his grips. And again, we don't see the background of Snoke. We don't see the whole introduction of that relationship. So that's, you know, you're going to kind of connect those dots yourself, but essentially he gets seduced by this idea of what he thinks he's supposed to be right. Connects that with his grandfather. Um, and is trying to become that what everybody or not everybody, but everybody that he is associating himself with is saying he should be, and he's ignoring what he actually is, which is light. Like the dude is, is a, he's a good guy. You know what I mean? Um, trying to be a, a rough guy, trying to be a tough guy, uh, whatever you want to call it. Um, so when, when he's, when, when Ray is there, Ray is someone, Ray is the first character essentially who is supposed to be light and wants to be light. Like that's essentially what I'm saying. Well, not the first character, but the first like hero, you know, in this, in this lineage who is what she's supposed to be. And I think he feels that like, you know, again, we talk about all these feelings and midichlorians and senses and, and all that stuff. He can feel that. And it, it speaks to a side of him that he's trying to bury, but won't get buried because it's there. And it pulls it out of him even for a moment. And then once he's able to snap himself out of it, he tries to force himself back into this dark shell, you know, the mask and all that. So masks are always, uh, you know, they, they've been part of, you know, movie, movie history, you know, for, for ages, especially for bad guys or for people trying to hide their true selves. And, you know, I get it with Vader. It's, it's, you know, partially obviously a, a need, right. But, um, at the same time you, you saw in episode six, that it, there was still light in him as well. So the mask was still hiding truth. Whereas guys like Palpatine, even though he's super like nobody in the, in the movie series has any more reason to wear a mask than Palpatine does. Like that dude is nasty, but he doesn't wear a mask. Why? Cause he doesn't need to hide himself. Granted the hood kind of shrouds him, but it doesn't hide his face completely. Right. Um, so anyway, that's, you know, movie history, whatever you want to call it. So the whole thing, that whole thing, that's basically what I drew from it is Ray is the, like pure, you call it pure light. It's someone who's light, who is accepting that wanting to continue that. And it's basically what he wants. She knows who she is. Her dots are all connected with him. He's, he's a, he's a zigzag of emotions and none of it makes sense and none of it's connected. So the part of him that is still light draws to her and it, and it lets come out. But then as soon as, you know, basically as soon as somebody else is watching, he, he puts the mask back on. The throne room, the betrayal of Snoke, the teaming up against the Praetorian guards. How yep. freaking cool was that scene? It was it was cool. Um, up until uh, up until he's like, "Oh, now I'm going to kill you." Like, no. He he 
what what do you I I don't remember him trying to kill her. They fought yeah, over the then, lightsaber. Well, no, because then after you know, so so the whole lightsaber like gets broken or whatever, and then they go to the mountain or whatever, and he's got his machines and his whatever, and he's like trying to get at him and kill him and and shoot him and. But yeah, he like, but she wasn't there. It doesn't matter. Like, but I understand that. But what I'm saying is, like, in that moment, I was like, okay, this dude sees now that Snoke is not what he's supposed to be following. This is not the path or whatever you want to call it for him. And he's realized like all those connections with Ray and all those interactions with Ray. And maybe it was the touching, you know, that happened. Like it's basically, it's basically shown him the error in his ways. And now he's going to turn into the Ben. Cause like everybody says like Ben is dead. Kylo Ren is and Ben's not dead. He's just struggling with this Kylo Ren character who wants to take over, but is not real. Um, so in my, my assessment of that moment was like, okay, this is where, Kylo Ren becomes Ben and is going to lead into the final one where probably it's Kylo Ren and, and Ray against whatever's left of, you know, the first order, you know, they'll unveil like, Oh, here's who was pulling Snoke's puppet strings. And maybe it's Palpatine or maybe it's Vader, you know, force Vader. I don't know. Dead, dead guy, Vader pulling the strings or whatever it is. Um, That's what I thought was happening. And then like poof in the next scene, he's all full of anger again. He wants to go after the rebellion and kill them all again. And I'm like, what? Like, if if you wanted to kill these dudes, you just killed your own most powerful ally to do it. And so it doesn't make sense. Um, well, that's because she refused his hand. Yeah. He, he I, wanted, I get it. Again, he wanted to like, rule with her and she rejected him. Yeah, he but was again, a, all the, the back and forth, like, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't fit with me. He was a like scorned, it. upset, rejected dude. I mean, I'd, I would expect to be rejected by Daisy Ridley, but it still wouldn't make He's me feel feelings. good. I got it. He's in his feelings, but again, he's just, he's a fake tough guy lashing out because he didn't get his way. Like, huh? yeah, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't fit with, uh, or I don't want to say it doesn't fit. Like it's very, like his character is very up and down back and forth the entire time. So it fits, but I just, I don't like it. All right. Well, let's get to the, let's get to the right portion because I'm starting to hear my children get very, um, restless i think they've opened and closed the bedroom door about 17 times in the last five minutes yeah. um here's the so, thing you're not allowed to tell me if i'm wrong or not because if you do I, it's I will not i will i'm not going to spoil anything for you just like i wouldn't want anything spoiled for me okay so what i've noticed right in these movies is is they like to have uh and, and this is a, a it's balance they like there's there's balance to everything right um so I don't know, and, and I, I could be wrong, but I kind of look at it, and Kylo Ren comes from the light and is attracted to the dark, or at least he wants to be attracted. Again, I feel like it's fake, but for the sake of the storyline, he comes from light and then moves to the dark for whatever reason. How he got there really doesn't matter. That's kind of the, the, the line I'm drawing. So if everything is balanced, then Ray comes from the dark. Um, so like Luke's not her dad or, you know, Leah's not her mother. Han's not her father. Like, uh, Ben's not her brother. She's the, the counterbalance to Ben. And I'm, I went through like every evil character. I cannot pick the evil character she comes from because it can't be Vader. So, I'm going with Snoke or Palpatine because I'm pretty sure Palpatine comes back. 
I'm pretty sure she is the spawn of Snoke or Palpatine. And if it's Snoke, we better get some stinking backstory. Um, but I could see this movie ending like the, the poetry, I guess, if you want to call it that, of her being involved in the death of her own father, who she's literally sitting right next to her on. I can't remember if he had her like on his lap or like, what, you know what I mean? Like they're literally physically like this, this child who is essentially looking for who she came from or where she came from. Well, he was sitting right next to you and you helped kill him, by the way. Um, so I could see that kind of being the story arc. But. Yeah, or but see, because I don't because I feel like either Palpatine or Vader comes back, I think. But he she can't belong to Vader. Like there's no you can't fit that in the storyline. Uh, so I feel like it's either going to be revealed that she came from Snoke and either he's not actually dead because remember, I kind of had the theory before about that. Maybe he was the first guy that Palpatine was talking about who learned how to cheat death. So, I mean, if you cheated death before, maybe you cheat death again. So maybe he comes back and reveals that, you know, that she's actually his daughter or it's Palpatine that comes back and maybe she's his daughter. Cause I mean, we have a storyline for Palpatine, but there's a lot of moments in his storyline where like we're on a different planet and he's over here hustling and bustling and, and, you know, uh, doing his thing. So, I mean, there are actual moments in his storyline where I think you could fit in like dude had a daughter, you know, on the side or whatever. Um, and then, uh, what's his name? Um, Vader, but Vader doesn't like from four five and six. I don't like what, like between some of those movies is Vader going on a Hawaiian vacation and hook up with a barista. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't make any sense. No, so we, I feel we, like it, we discussed that on Mustafar, his cash and prizes got burned off when Obi-Wan caught him on. Yeah. Fire. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't feel like, <laughs> Vader can be the, have any children. Um, so it's, I, so that's my feeling is that since Kylo came from light and is going towards dark, Ray came from dark. Okay. That's my now, theory. This is not a spoiler. Okay. But yes, Palpatine does return in episode she's nine. Palpatine's daughter. Don't say anything. I'm I'm not going to spoil the movie, but I am I am reaffirming to you that yes, Palpatine returns in this, and I can tell you that because it is in all the promotional material. Like I haven't watched anything. I haven't watched any trailers. I haven't watched anything. Yeah, the very first trailer that they debuted at Star Wars Celebration. I miss Star Wars Celebration. I want to go back, David. Will you pay for me to go to Anaheim in August? Um, That trailer ended with Palpatine's laugh and then Ian McDermott walked out on stage and went yeah and then he goes roll it again and they played the trailer again okay um so Ray's daughter boom I mean I could you're not allowed to respond in any capacity so well but I mean it could still be Snoke I don't know like maybe smoke Snoke like if because if Palpatine is pulling like I really want there to be a backstory for Snoke, man. Like if this thing ends and there's no backstory to Snoke, I'm gonna be so pissed off. But like maybe Palpatine was pulling Snoke's strings the entire time, and now that he's dead, he's like, well, crap. Now you made me come out of the out of the shadows, and now you're forcing me, you know, basically into the into the forefront again, where I don't want to be. And so now he's gonna lash out, and basically this this girl who thinks that she's the the best hero of them all and pure and from light. That's how he's gonna try to essentially throw her off her game is be like, by the way, you came from me. How about them apples? Um, or it's, or it's Snoke. Yeah. I don't know. I just think she comes from evil, man. Like I could be wrong on the character, but I just, I think she comes from evil. And I mean, I don't know. Like 
it wouldn't make any sense for her to be like, I don't know, like the general's kid or, you know what I mean? Like that's too weak. So I think it, it's gotta be a central character. So Snoke or Palpatine, that's, that's my theory. Okay. And I and will, I today, as folks are listening to this episode, if they're listening to it on, on the day of publishing, I am seeing it today, Friday. Uh, yeah. I, I will not say anything. I will not, you know, counter argue. I mean, granted, I, I, I could have contributed to this even having not seen episode nine, but for those, uh, of, of our listeners that have seen episode nine, you know, I'm just not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything because <laughs> I don't want it to appear like I'm trying yeah, to steer yeah, you in any yeah. direction just whatsoever. Just leave it alone. 24 we'll hours just, now we'll know the answer. Yeah. Okay. And I look forward to, to reviewing this with you. Just like I'm super excited to go on to rogue one. That's one with a W a star Wars podcast for winners and discuss this with, uh, with my buddy, Johnny Grosso, because he's not a big fan. He did an entire episode, uh, released today. Uh, well, it released Thursday about everything wrong with the sequel trilogy. And he, he made some great points, just like you make some great points. I don't always agree or view him in the same light, but he made some great points. And I had, I had texted him and I said, I'm kind of worried about listening to this episode. And he said, why? And I said, well, you know, because you're, you're going to be tearing down a bunch of things at at the sequel trilogy. And, you know, I'm afraid it's going to bum me out. And he responded, you know, it's just a movie. And I'm like, well, yeah, obviously, but it bums me out when my friends or my family care about something a lot and then don't like it. You know, like a a lot of my friends that didn't like Game of Thrones that bummed me out like for them. You know, a lot of my friends that didn't like The Last Jedi that bummed me out for them. Like, I don't want people to get excited about seeing something that they love and then not enjoy it. Uh. And that's when he he asked me, he goes, well, why don't you come on next week and, and discuss it with me? I said, buddy, I'm there. I'm I'm super excited to go on and discuss it with him. Except the movie's called Rise of Skywalker. I yes, don't know, man. Whatever. Yes, it I'm is. Done. I'll just watch it. Oh, it's so good. I, I really like it. I need to go back and see it again. I've only seen it twice. Um, I need to see it probably seven or eight more times in the theater. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, See, here's the here's the great thing is I live about five minutes away from a movie theater. Yeah. And my days off of work are Wednesdays. And my movie theaters discount days are Wednesdays. So they do five dollar showings all day. So when the kids go back to school, I'm pretty sure I'm going to go see it every Wednesday for like a month. Just because I can. It's a little bit crazy, but okay. I don't know. There, there's somebody that I interact with on Twitter that saw was it the Force Awakens? Is either the Force Awakens or the Phantom Menace? I can't remember which. Saw it 17 times in the theater. Mm. That's that's insane. If I hit double digits, I'll be impressed. I just am trying to break my sister's record of seeing Titanic in the theater. I think she saw Titanic eight and a third times. What? Yeah, we had gone back when my dad worked in radio. We had gone down to this mall for some remote that he had to do. And she somehow convinced the person running the ticket office at the movie theater 
to let her in to see one third of Titanic for free while we were waiting on my dad to be done because she didn't want to stand around and do nothing. All right. So she, she talked the movie people into letting her in to see one hour of the movie. Yeah. That's my sister for you. All right. Well, David, uh, how many lightsabers are you giving this one? Uh, four. Four. So that puts it up towards the top then. Because I think yeah, the I, mean, highest... I like the sequel trilogy so far more than I like the prequel trilogy. And uh, I mean, episode four is, you know, it's a good movie or whatever, but it's not like knock your socks off or anything. I think five and six are pretty good. But yeah, I mean, I like seven and eight more than I like one and two. Three okay. is still my favorite. Okay, so yeah, Revenge of the Sith is still your favorite. And and I am, like I said, I am now in the camp that the sequel trilogy, I enjoy it more overall than the original trilogy, but that's because I'm just not a huge fan of A New Hope. So, um, all right, well, then uh, in, enjoy your viewing of The Rise of Skywalker later today uh, as people are listening to this, and I cannot wait to talk about that one with you. I will enjoy it, hopefully. I, I hope you do, because I, I like it when people that I like enjoy things. I don't like it when they're not happy. I appreciate that. We'll see how it goes. I'll let you know. You know that. So, um, All right. And, of course, we will discuss that on next Friday's episode to wrap up our uh, our mini series of David Reviews Star Wars. But until then, of course, check out everything over at BucksNation.com. Follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks. Hope you all have an awesome weekend. Thank you again for those of you that stuck through uh, to this portion of the episode. I We know it's not for everybody, but it's fun for us to get on and talk about these kinds of things. And if it's something that you guys are interested in, it's fun for you guys to hear our point of view. I think having David go through and watch these movies for the first time in his life, um, especially, you know, at, at our age is, is pretty, pretty interesting, pretty cool. So we're going to have to come up with what we're going to, Oh, what was it that you said that you hadn't seen in the, in the group chat the other day? Wasn't it like predator and the oh, Terminator yeah, no, movies predator or Terminator? I've seen, um, I mean, like, I know, and I don't know anything about Predator. I know Predator is like an alien, right? With like dreadlocks or something. Right. Um, Originally supposed to be played by Jean Claude Van Damme. Uh, sure. Yeah. That's literally all I know about Predator. Um, Terminator, I know, like, the first one, Arnold is the bad guy. And then the second one, for some reason, he's the good guy. And then the skinny cop dude is the bad guy. And he can, like, melt and morph like his limbs like it doesn't he like morph them into like swords or something uh like a like a knockoff baraka or something um, yeah kind of and then he's like trying to kill a kid uh john connor i don't know i don't know why or what the purpose of this whole thing is oh no it's it's something about like an apocalypse or something i don't know man um i know about the movie the term or the terminator movies i just don't i've never seen them well and then yeah, predator i've never seen um I just saw Alien like last year for the first. My wife finally got me to sit down and watch. I just saw. I can't Alien remember how many I last saw. year too. I think it's like I think three. She made me watch. I've Which only one? seen the first one, and I've heard yeah. Aliens, which is the second one, was even better. So I just right. haven't. I just I haven't like, watched it. I don't like any of them, so they're trash. 
<laughs> Zero alien we'll, heads. We'll we'll figure out something to review during the 2020 season. We can have our our listeners send in submissions, yeah, I'm open to recommendations, suggestions. Uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe if if somebody starts making us watch movies that neither of us have seen, it could get real interesting. Yeah. Have you seen any? Have you not seen any movies? Oh, there's plenty of movies I haven't seen. I just saw John Wick, the first one, for the I first time, like Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, I've never seen John Wick. The first one was really good. I have the second one. It's still in the cellophane. Yeah. I don't know, uh, actually. All I know is Keanu Reeves is John Wick. That's, I mean, I know it's an action movie, wears a suit. <laughs> I mean, it was it was a good movie. Like, And I'm not a Keanu Reeves fan, but that was a good movie. Yeah. And it had that punk Theon Greyjoy from Game of Thrones. Fun. So, all right. Well, that will do it for us. We are out of here. Again, thank you to all of you that stick through and and listen to this fun little segment that we do. Hope you have a phenomenal, safe, enjoyable weekend. Enjoy the playoff games, even though the Bucs aren't playing. And if you're fed up with football, maybe go to the theater and go see The Rise of Skywalker. Let's get this thing over a billion dollars in less than a month of its release. That would be awesome. Um, Yeah, thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked on Star Wars. (laughs) 